episode 72 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. RNC's done. We've been lied to, and so is the nation. And I think they know it. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle. Not the bullet. And a secret proceeding. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. I don't know what their strategy is. I mean, they just spent a week telling us, vote for the guy who's in charge now, or all the nonsense that's going on right now in America, all the things you're afraid of, will happen. Um, I'm sorry. It's already happening. I- I've called it a reverse Oz. It's not catching on. You know, pay no attention to the man in front of the curtain. Right. I mean, everybody who spoke on behalf of Donald Trump told us how hard he works behind the scenes and how dedicated he is and how much empathy he has when the cameras aren't on. Now, we know when the cameras are on, he has no empathy and he doesn't look like he's working that hard because he's often playing golf. But pay no attention to that guy. The real guy's behind the curtain. (laughs) It's yeah. Reverse eyes. I mean, no, it didn't go anywhere. I tried. I tried hashtagging it. I, I said it on national television. I said it on my WABC radio show over the weekend. I said it on my syndicated show. And I'm saying it again right here on my podcast to America, letting you know that I tried to come up with a catchphrase that just did not did not work. But I don't think the Republican National Convention worked either. Um, I find it hard to believe that the American people don't realize that all of the carnage happening in America wasn't happening four years ago when this guy got elected president and is happening now. Joe Biden on Monday gave a speech where he pointed that out. Anybody who's following me on television knows that on Friday night I was asked, should Joe Biden go out and do things? And I said, absolutely. I don't know why he's waiting till after Labor Day. He should start on Monday. And there he was on Monday doing it. And I think he needs to do it every day. And I think he needs to take some questions because, look, I know it's a Republican talking point and most Americans don't know if he took questions or not. But I do believe when you're running for public office, you should make yourself available to the media because I think the media is enshrined in the United States Constitution for a reason. It keeps us honest. And I also think that Joe Biden will perform very well with those questions. Now, I know I've been following Joe Biden's career for as long as there's been a Joe Biden. I think my Joe Biden first came to my attention when I was in middle school or maybe my first year of high school during the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings when he was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. That's the first time I really remember Joe Biden. I've seen him up close having worked for Chuck Schumer. I've seen him at speeches. 
I know the guy makes mistakes. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a gaff guy. He, he's been a gaff guy his whole career. It doesn't mean that he's losing his mind. Sorry. And I think that he could be very strong in answering questions and he could be very concise and he's got a great breadth of knowledge that Donald Trump does not have. And I think he needs to be doing something every single day in a swing state, not just Pennsylvania, not just Delaware, but he needs to be in Wisconsin. He needs to be in Michigan. He needs to be in Arizona and he needs to be in Florida. I have made a very bold prediction on my radio shows about Florida, and I'm going to make it here for you right now in case you don't watch, or sorry, watch, in case you don't listen to those shows because they're not in your market or you don't, you know, get them online. I believe that on election night, by 11.30 p.m., the state of Florida will be called for Joe Biden. And whatever else happens that night, whatever chaos that Donald Trump wants to throw at the election because we're still waiting on votes in Wisconsin and Arizona. Florida will be called. By the way, I think Michigan will be called too by 1130 on election night for Joe Biden. And if both of those things are true on election night, it's going to be very hard for Donald Trump to say that he won the election. The American people won't believe him. His own party won't believe him. They will have to say, look, Mr. President, uh, let's let the votes be counted, but stop saying you won the election. And I do think that there's going to be a couple of weeks where a couple of key states are in doubt, and those states will be Arizona. I mean, look, let, let's let's just let's just do the math for a second. Kristen Cinema won Arizona in 2018. Kristen Cinema, an openly bisexual, somewhat progressive. I don't want to call her ultra progressive woman. Beat. Martha McSally, who's running again in um, Arizona for a Senate seat, for the Senate seat, I believe, not the Senate seat vacated by John McCain, but the other Senate seat um, that was uh, 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 vacated in Arizona. Let me explain something to you. On election night, Martha McSally was winning in Arizona, but Arizona has mail-in ballots and it took them about a week and a half, maybe a week to get all the results in and Martha McSally lost and she didn't, it wasn't a squeaker either. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but she lost and Martha McSally did the right thing. She conceded. And if you remember, she did a, con- a concession video while she was petting her dog and wished Kristen Sinema luck, which is what's supposed to happen in America, by the way, it's the right thing to do. Everybody applauded her for doing it. You know, Again, I go back to Chris Rock. I take care of my kids. You're supposed to concede when you lose an election. So yes, I thought it was a very delightful concession speech given on her couch with her beautiful dog. But that's what you're supposed to do. I'll give her an extra point, though, for, for doing it with a dog. So now that I'm a dog lover. Um, so, you know, here we are. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I think that Florida is going to be called and Michigan's going to be called. And maybe even Ohio. But there are going to be a lot of states that are not called. I don't think New York. I mean, you might be able to call New York based on math on election night. But there'll be a huge number of ballots out in the state of New York still. New York State, as I've explained on this show before, has an archaic uh, system for absentee ballots that is deliberately slow. It requires both parties to have attorneys or representatives there 
to challenge potential ballots. And it could go on for weeks and the courts could be involved. It could take a month to know the final results in the state of New York and in close congressional races in New York state. And there will be a couple of close congressional races on New York. There's an open seat on Long Island with the retirement of Peter King. The first congressional district on Long Island could be close, right? There may be one or two other districts upstate New York that might be close. But for the most part, most of the districts in New York state are either solidly blue or solidly red. But, you know, they're going to be, I mean, tens, uh, tens, I mean, maybe millions of absentee ballots in New York this year. I've decided that I'm voting in person. I'm putting on a mask, I'm washing my hands, and I'm going in because uh, I want my vote to count no matter what. And I don't want Trump to be winning on the, in New York on election night. And I'm encouraging everybody I know to do the same thing. Suck it up. Risk it. Let's go. We don't have long lines, at least here where I live in the suburbs of New York City. Um, generally for elections. So if I have to wait 15 minutes, I have to wait 15 minutes, I'm going to do it. Now, in some states where you got to wait three and a half hours to vote because they're trying to disenfranchise you, that's a different story. If you're a 65-year-old living in the state of Florida, vote by mail. Now, Florida, because of what happened in 2000, actually does elections pretty well. Now, you know, I'm sure Ron DeSantis will do everything he can to throw roadblocks into people who he thinks might vote for Biden, but I don't think it's going to work in the state of Florida because they've really fixed their election systems there. And they have early voting. They have weeks of early voting. And they have mail-in ballots. And they count the mail-in ballots prior to election day. So on election day, you get a result. And you're going to get a result in Florida. And it's going to be pretty clear. You also might get a result in Texas. And it might not be the result that Donald Trump likes. Uh, So, you know, buckle up. We just spent the last week listening to lie upon lie upon lie from people around Donald Trump. And I'm not even going to talk about the theatrics. I mean, I don't know what Kimberly Guilfoyle was thinking. I know Kimberly Guilfoyle. And Kimberly Guilfoyle used to be married to the governor of California, Newsom, Governor Newsom of California. Um, I don't know what got over her. I know her. I, I, I look, I mean, I know people hate it when I tell you that I know conservative commentators and people like that. And I think they're nice people. I've always thought she was nice. I've also thought, you know, as somebody who's been a television personality for the last 10 years, she might have some understanding of what it means to be on camera, giving a speech in an empty room. I mean, Look, I don't want to accuse her of anything. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna accuse Don Trump. Donald Trump Jr. has been accused of multiple things. I'm not gonna be part of that. He did look a little glassy-eyed. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, but let's just say that uh, Patty Lapone is going to uh, play Kimberly Guilfoyle in the movie version of the RNC 2020. Let's just leave it at that. Patty Lapone. Uh, and if you don't know what I mean by that, look up what Patty Lapone's biggest role was and then you'll know <laughs> okay <laughs> so i could also say madonna will play her in the movie um anyway uh so it's a it's it it was it was pretty pretty crazy and it, it opened up with this you know this couple the mccluskies who were acute charge of a felony when they waved their guns at protesters who were walking by their house 
in St. Louis on their way to the mayor's house, by the way. Um, the McCluskeys, who said you will not be safe in Joe Biden's America, even though we're living in Donald Trump's America right now, and how safe do you feel? Um, the next night, after the McCluskeys made that ridiculous speech at the RNC, a 17-year-old kid from Illinois went to Kenosha, Wisconsin with his rifle. And he went there because he's probably been inspired by right-wing rhetoric his entire life. He's 17 years old, okay? Let's before, you know, you know, a lot of people want to call him guilty and I think he's guilty. Clearly, you went there looking for trouble and you found it. But let's remember who else is guilty. The people who poisoned this kid's mind are equally guilty. And that is the right wing in this country that has poisoned this kid's mind. They have deliberately caused people fear. And when you're 17 years old and you're a gun and police enthusiast and you think you should take matters in your own hands like the McCluskeys did. Remember them? They spoke at the RNC on Tuesday. On Wednesday night, this kid's on the street in Kenosha, 17 years old, with a rifle. You're not even supposed to have an open carry in the state of Wisconsin when you're 17 years old. That's a problem number one. But he thinks that he needs to be a vigilante and protect some gas station that he doesn't own because he's inspired by the McCluskeys, by Donald Trump, by the NRA, by Wayne LaPierre. And he's on the street with his rifle. And he kills two people. And he injures another. And I don't know, you know, they're going to go back and forth that he thought his life was in danger. He should never have been there. He should never have been there with the guns. And when the police officers came by and gave them water and said, thank you for what, they, what you're doing, that in and of itself should talk to you about what's wrong in America right now. The scene that really drives me nuts is when this kid is walking towards the police after he killed somebody, two people, with his hands up, and the police do not arrest him. They ask him, is somebody hurt over there? This is a kid. He's got a gun over his shoulder. He's got his hands up. He's trying to surrender. He doesn't even get questioned when there was a shooting. Why? Ask that. Ask yourself that question. Why? Is there two systems of justice in this country? Well, if that image doesn't show you that there are two two systems of justice in this country, then I don't know what else will. And again, I, I know I have to say this every time. I don't think that most cops are horrible. I think that most cops are great people who are trying to do the right thing. I think the vast majority... But, you know, to say that there's colorblindness in policing in this country at this point when you see that image is just folly. I mean, it, it's just it's just not true. And it's got to be driving people of color crazy. This kid's at a protest. He shouldn't even be there. He kills two people. You know, the president at uh, Vice President Pence's speech had a woman in the audience whose husband was killed in Oakland during a protest. And they pointed out that he was killed during a protest. What they didn't point out was that he was killed by a boogaloo boy 
which is a right-wing extremist group known to support Donald Trump. They didn't point that out. They said he was killed at a protest. When the president was asked about the kid in Wisconsin, he defended the kid. I'm just saying, America, things are going to get crazy between now and Election Day. Things are going to get crazy. The president's going to Wisconsin this week. He may have already been at Wisconsin, depending on when you're listening to this pod. He's going to go to Wisconsin this week. God knows what he's going to say. He seems incapable of lowering the temperature. And let me just point one more thing out. I don't think we need to make this election about the Hatch Act. But I do think that the crimes that were committed during this RNC with the president utilizing the White House as if it was the presidential palace and he was the dictator was ridiculous. And while the Hatch Act doesn't apply to the president and the vice president, it surely applies to their staff. And Ivanka Trump is on that staff. She should be called out for it. And quite frankly, the whole thing needs to be any any White House staffer that participated in any way is violating the Hatch Act. And that includes the Secretary of State who flew on a United States government plane to Israel, was staying there in a hotel paid for by the taxpayers, and gave a partisan speech from Israel. What Secretary of State do you know in recent memory, an acting Secretary of State, I mean, one that's active, not an acting, but a Secretary of State, a current Secretary of State that has spoke at a political convention? You don't know any because it's just not something they do. But now they do. Everything is politics with these people. Everything is politics. They think they own it. They break the law. And then they say their slogan is law and order. I, you want law and order? You got to get rid of this guy. He, he, he knows no law, knows no order, behaves any way he wants to behave whenever he wants to behave. The convention to me was a disgrace, and the poll numbers show it. He's gone down in popularity. He didn't close the gap. You might see an outlier poll that has the gap closed a little bit, but he didn't close the gap. His popularity, his ABC News poll that came out, had his approval rating down to 30. I don't know if that's true. I, I find that hard to believe. But it was 32 last month in the same poll, so... You know, who knows? Oh, Biden's approval went up to 46%. He's now above water in his approval. Less people disapprove than approve. And that's after the two conventions. So we'll see. You don't really know. Wait until after Labor Day. Don't be looking for polls right now. It'll drive you nuts. Wait till after Labor Day. Things will shake out. We'll see where we are. But I, for one, still believe Biden will get elected president. And I believe that on election night, he'll be leading and he will have won the state of Florida and the state of Michigan by 1130. Mark it down. All right. I got a great guest. Ellie Mistal has been on the show before. We're good friends. Um, Good friends is probably the wrong way to say it. I feel like I know Ellie more than I do because I knew his father really well. I met Ellie once before, you know, while he was in law school. But I knew his dad, and then I ran into Ellie at Politicon and said, Hey, are you Ellie Mistal from Long Island's son? And he was the same guy. So I feel like this, I guess, like kindredness to him because I knew his dad so well. So uh, Ellie Mistal is up next, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. There we are. 
Joining me now, Ellie Mistal. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine. We have both been tweeting like maniacs uh, during this convention. And there's a lot to talk about, Ellie. I want to talk to you about the convention. I want to talk, talk to you about what's going on in Wisconsin. Uh, let's start with this, you know, freak show of a convention that we've been watching. Um, you know, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, it's nightmare fuel. Like it's, <laughs> it's been, it's been off the rail nightmare fuel. Um, I'm trying to tell myself that it's kind of always this bad. I'm trying to tell myself that, you know, I never liked the Republican yeah. National Convention. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, one of my earliest political memories is my father in 1984 just screaming at the, we had one television, just yeah. screaming at the television after Reagan's 84 acceptance speech and me kind of being, you know, six or seven, not really knowing what's going on and being like, Ma, well, why is daddy so angry? My mother going, Reagan's a, Dodo bird. <laughs> so, so I, I'm trying to remember that like they always piss my people off. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean they're bad, but I don't think they've ever been this bad. I mean, I, I don't think they've ever been, just been bold-faced lies, alternate reality nonsense. I mean, it's just like I, I said in the earlier segment of the show. Um, I really would love to live in this alternate re- reality that they're painting at the Republican National Convention because there's no way Donald Trump is president of the United States in that reality. Right. I just what what really start what gets me the most is when they um, either lie or gloss over or pretend like it didn't happen. Right. 180,000 Americans who were dead, yeah, were alive in January. Yeah, right. Like that. So you know, Mike Pence last night goes, um, or on Mike Pence on his night goes, you know, in Joe Biden's America, the hard truth is, in Joe Biden's America, you won't be safe. Yeah, man. Yeah, are we safe now? I'm I mean, safe right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's that nobody's safe right now, and equally not safe if you're an African American male. Uh, clearly, you know, you're being hunted, right. and it, it's horrible. This is not the greatest time to be in America, so I don't know what you're threatening me with exactly. Right. 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 Um, it's it, you know that's been that's been very annoying. The, the I mean the the constant kind of gaslighting over COVID has been annoying. But also you know and people have made this point in, in other places. I think Joy Reid's made it a lot on TV. Like the the use of the White House. Yeah. If it's his personal Versailles. Yeah. It's just you know it's grating, and I understand that a lot of people who you know aren't don't follow politics and aren't that political. They probably don't care very much about these kind of arcane rules of separation of the campaign and the government. But I care. Yeah, I care. It's not supposed to happen. There's, they're, they're, like I'm, I am paying for these events, and I shouldn't be. You know, I'm tired of people telling me what people care about because you know I didn't think that people would care about you know D.C. Washington email protocols. And it turns out they cared. They cared a lot about it. And I, I, I think we need to make people care about this, too. This is ridiculous. He's got Marines. You be, he's using active duty Marines in his in his imagery for the Republican National Convention. That is ridiculous. It's just it's not allowed. We, ha- we literally have a law against this. And so, you know, one of the things that I've talked about a lot this week is that you know, I always try to look forward. What what do I need the Democrats to do in response to this? To response to this. So, if the Democrats get in, either we have a revised Hatch Act with far more teeth, or that law just never no, doesn't exist. Right. What can't happen is the Democrats go back to playing by the rules when the Republicans have shown that there are no rules that they will play. No, there needs to be a a slew of what I call Trump reforms, just like the Nixon reforms after Nixon. I mean, there needs to be. 
all sorts of them, starting with, you know, the executive branch will be responsive to congressional oversight. I mean, it's nonsense. I think there needs to be a whole slew of new anti-corruption laws, you know, making sure that people understand what the emoluments clause is and what it allows and doesn't allow. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, but I also think, you know, and I've said this before, we need, you know, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. We Yeah. Somebody needs to go back and make sure that all of these laws and norms and things that the Trump administration, not just Trump, but his entire, you know, crime family and administration have broken, that those are prosecuted, that people are held accountable. Well, the first step is beating the guy, you know, otherwise, God help us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, no, none of this can happen if we don't win. I mean, as James Carville likes to say, you need power. Yeah, ah. <laughs> you need power. And and it's it's look, I know that everybody's gnashing their teeth, you know, uh, saying that, you know, this has been effective and suburban women. I, I just don't think people are that stupid. I think people. I mean, there are a lot of stupid people, clearly, because 42% of Americans still support this guy. But I think that 42% is his cap, maybe 43%. You and- know, Chris, I, I've, I, re- I wrote this week in The Nation about one of the most kind of frustrating parts of this convention, which is his use of black bodies yes. um, to make the case for Trump. And the, the thing that I pointed out is that, you know, you have to understand, he's not using these black people, what I, you know, token, and I explain what tokenism is. Um, he's not using these tokens to really get black votes. He's using these token black people to make white people feel comfortable yes. voting for him. Yes, yes, And so yes. I always expect it, like, the Joe, Joe Biden is not going to, if Joe Biden wins, it's not going to be by nine points, like he's up now, right? No. Like, I've always expected the race to tighten, and the reason why I think it will tighten is because I do believe now in the kind of silent Trump voter, the Trump voter who is, you know, uh, ashamed of it, doesn't want to say it out loud, basically doesn't want that MAGA hat heat. Yeah. In the privacy of their polling booth is going to vote for the bigotry. And- I don't know, man. I don't know if there's a, a, a silent Trump vote. I've heard this. You know, you've said it. A lot of other people say it. I used to believe it. I don't know. All the Trump voters I know seem to be pretty loud. <laughs> I don't, n- notice, I didn't say silent majority of Trump voters. I don't think that. Right, 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 right. I mean, most of these people are in your face and happy about it. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of this convention has been trying to... Again, they've they've given the red meat for the hardcore base, right? They've given the crazy McCloskeys, and they've given uh, the Donald Trump Trump Juniors and and Kimberly Guilfoyle speeches, which were like ridiculous. Exactly, they've given them all the red meat, but they've also tried to do this subtle thing, which is not to appeal to new voters, but to remind kind of wavering Trump voters that it's okay to be with this racist bigot. Yeah, and that's what you know. That's the tokenism. That's what they're using the Jack Brewers and Herschel Walkers. Yeah. Like who, who, the care, who the hell cares about Herschel Walker's political opinion? I, I have never once thought about Herschel Walker as a political figure in my entire life. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about Herschel Walker in 20 years, frankly. I haven't thought about Herschel Walker since he you know, inadvertently made the Dallas Cowboys my problem as a Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the last time I thought of him. Right. But, like, why is he there? Well, is he there to make a black guy like me vote for Trump? No. Right. He's there to make some white suburban woman who wants all the, you know, dripping, horrible politics that Trump has, but feels a little bit of, well, Herschel Walker's a nice black man. They want to give him an excuse. Exactly. Of course, remember, the convention, you know, there's still, you know, two months before the election, and Donald Trump's 
bound to say something racist between now and then. I mean, they pulled all their ads off the air because they were ineffective. I wonder what they're going to come out with next. And I, I find it hard to believe it's going to be mom and apple pie. Yeah, it's not going to be nice. No. Right. no, 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 no. I mean, it's they're clearly going to be going full on negative on on Biden. But the question is what? I mean, I don't think people could possibly believe that Joe Biden's turning the United States into Cuba. I tend to agree, but you know, Chris, they started, you know, Michael Dukakis is winning. Yep. And they started running the Willie Horton ad campaign, if I got my numbers right, on uh, September 21 mm. that year. Yeah. And it tanked him. So I think we're a little bit more kind of a, an evolved media environment that, you know, I don't think one particular ad is going right. to, you know, move the numbers like the Willie Horton ad did. No. But that Trump can go to a le- level of negativity and lies. And remember, he's not bound by the truth. No. Right. So you can just make That's it. That's the problem. All right. Ellie, I'm more optimistic than most about, you know, the fate of this election. I think that, you know, elections are about elections about incumbents are about did they do good? And I don't think this guy did. Reagan asked the question, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Most Americans in 1984 were better off now than they were four years ago. I don't think that's the case today. So I don't know how this guy keep can, can win. You know, the only thing that I kind of hang on to to give me hope, and I'm not as optimistic as you because I'm terrified, but <laughs> I, I look, who, who has Trump attracted to his coalition in the past four years? Nobody. Right? Who was not on board with Trump? in 2016, who now, seeing the real thing, is like, I, I, I'm going to vote for that Trump guy. Like, yeah, I like the cut of his jib. He showed me something. <laughs> so I, I don't think that person exists. Right. <laughs> I don't really think he gets, like, one vote that he didn't get last time. Now, he might not. He might get all of the votes that he got last time. I think he's going to get every vote he got last time, less maybe 1%, which is damning, actually. But, I, yeah, I, but I feel like his last year's, his 2016 vote totals are his ceiling, not his floor. Yeah. Um, which, whereas, you know, Hillary Clinton's vote totals are Joe Biden's floor, not his ceiling. Yeah. The problem is, no matter. Like, you know, the Electoral College, I read, I read a thing uh, online today um, predicting, you know, doing, running the numbers and figuring that, you know, Biden could beat Trump by as many as six million votes and still lose the electoral college. He sure could. So, like that—that that is where that's my anxiety is kind of entirely. I, you know, up. let me let me calm you down for a second, okay? Donald Trump has spent the last six months saying he doesn't care if you live or die if you're over the age of sixty-five, and thirty percent of voters in Florida are over the age of sixty-five, and they're not very happy about that, and he's going to lose Florida, and I don't see any path to victory with him losing Michigan and Florida. And they pulled out of Michigan three weeks ago because they can't win Michigan. They're putting all their resources into Florida and they might not be able to win Florida either, especially with COVID-19 still bouncing around in Florida. I saw a poll that suggested that right now in Florida, Trump is losing with senior citizens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's kind of hard to cheat in Florida, too. They have actually a pretty well-organized election system. I mean, they suppress votes other ways. But if you're an old lady who gets an absentee ballot in Florida, that vote's going to be counted on election night, by the way. He's going to be losing in Florida. I'm going to make this prediction right now for you, Ellie. My friend who, even though I just met you, uh, I feel like I've known you my whole life because of other relationships that we've had in common. I... Predict right now, Donald Trump will be losing Florida. Florida will be called by the AP by 11.30 p.m. on Election Day. 
That is bold. That is bold. And put it like this. I'll, 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 I'll agree with you this far. If it is called on election night, then he will have lost it. Yes. Um, you know, like, the only way he wins, Lauren, is this kind of long, drawn-out process. It will. Um, I, here's what I want to hear on election night from Donald Trump. We're waiting for all the votes to be counted. There's still a lot of outs and T's in the mail. I want to hear that from that guy on election night. That's my fantasy. That's going to be awesome. So, Chris, can I ask you a question? I know it's your show, but I wanted to ask you because it's, just been, it's been floating around in the, in the ether, and I want to know what you thought of this. Yes. Uh, Hillary Clinton says that under no circumstances should Joe Biden c- concede on election night. No, that there's no circumstance. No, I don't believe that. Do you agree with that? No, I don't agree with that. I mean, if there, if it's clear that he lost, he's got to concede, right? I mean, this is an election, and even though we think this guy's evil, if if there are enough dumb people in America to elect him and give him the victory based on the rules that we've lived for for 244 years, then he's got to concede. But now, if there's no, if there is no, if if it's not clear, if there's still votes to be counted, then he shouldn't concede. What you're saying, though, is that there is some result on election night. That you that you fundamentally trust that with all of the shenanigans, with the mail-in votes, and the this, and all the all the efforts that Trump is making to to you know basically take away our trust in our right. elections, you that they, it has not worked on you. You still have enough faith in our elections to think that if the, the result is clear, the loser should concede. I think that Trump is playing games, right? When he says that New York's in play, what he thinks is that on election night he's going to be ahead in New York. Uh, because the same day vote will favor him, which I don't think will be true anyway. And there'll be 60 million absentee votes and New York state. You and I both know this. We've been through absentee counts in New York state. They, they could take weeks for just a couple thousand of them. If we have 60 million of them or tw- if we have 10 million of them in New York state still outstanding, you know, it, it could take till December to count those votes. So he wants to say, I won just based on the same day vote. And I quite frankly think if there are votes to be counted and boards of elections haven't certified elections, then the election's still going as far as I'm concerned. For me, my version of my version of he should concede is actually weirdly all about Michigan. I find Michigan. I think that Michigan has a secure election system. I don't think that there's a lot that they can do to screw up the vote in Michigan. I don't think that they're uh, and it's, and Michigan is the kind of state where like if you're a Democrat and you're not winning Michigan, you're not going to win the election. Yeah. If you're a Democrat and it's too close to call in Michigan, if we get it, you know, one of the things I've said is that Biden has to understand if it's within a point in any state, Trump wins. Doesn't matter if Biden actually had a point. Trump will find a way to steal that extra percent. Well, he'll try. You know, he can steal a point. He can steal a point and a half. Hey, you got to win these states by like three, four points going away. But if you're so close in Michigan that he can steal it, then you're not. Then there, you're there's a song I love, Ellie. It's called "Send Lawyers, Guns, and Money." And the Democrats <laughs> better have a lot of lawyers, guns, and money ready to go on election night. What? It's Warren Zephron, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, send lawyers, guns, and money to Michigan, Arizona which is going to have a huge mail-in vote, which they always do. It takes them weeks to count the vote. And who knows who's going to be winning on election night in Arizona. I mean, Kristen Sinema won huge in Arizona over Martha McSally, but they didn't know for th- for like two weeks yep. that she won. So, I mean, Arizona's a swing state. I think Trump's going to lose Arizona. I think Mark Kelly's going to win the set in Arizona. But here's the thing. Trump is going to lose Florida on election night. And that is going to change the way people talk about this election. And he could yell and he could scream about things are over now, but it doesn't matter. He's going to get pushed back. He's going to get pushed back from Republican secretaries of state who are going to want to do their jobs. And if he tries it, man, I'm one of those lawyers who will get on a plane to go anywhere that, the, that people want me to go to fight this. And I'm sure you are, too. 
from your lips, Chris. And I, and I totally agree. I, I agree in the same way that I think Michigan is the key state for Democrats. I do think Florida is the key state for Republicans insofar as that if Trump cannot win Florida, then yep. he, cannot win the, he cannot win the country. And I don't think people will be all that. If he, if he, gets, you know, if he loses Florida by five points, like, all right. We're yeah, gonna, if he's uh, losing Florida by five points on election night, is over. All right, Ellie, I told you I'd get you out of here in two segments. See how quick that goes? We didn't even get to talk about racial injustice. You sure you can't do one more segment for eight more minutes? I really got right, He's got to go. He's got to go cover this stupid convention tonight. Ellie Mistal, read him on the nation. What a guy. I'll be right back. Yeah, Ellie Mistal uh, always has great perspective. He's great on Twitter. Sometimes I worry about him on Twitter, but, you know, it's just dark humor, I think, most of the time. So just keep that in mind. Um, so the week ahead, going to be an interesting one. There is a lot of moving pieces right now in this world. You know, schools are going to start to open. I know here in New York, they go back... Uh, a week from today or a week from tomorrow. Yeah, a week from today. You're listening on Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, they've gone back for a week from a today if you're listening to it late. I don't know. Um, so they're going back. I think that that's very important to Americans. I think if we have another shutdown due to kids going back to school, we're going to have real issues in this country. And the states to watch are states where the governors pay attention to science. I mean, we're hearing that the University of Alabama had over 500 cases in three days when they opened up the University of Alabama. In New York, that would cause for a two-week shutdown of the campus, 14 days of quarantine for everybody on campus. Um, you only need 100 people to be infected here in New York for that to happen. I don't know why Alabama has a different standard. I don't think the science is any different in Alabama than it is here. But the question is, like in a state of Florida, if you start seeing an outbreak, if you would even know if there's an outbreak, because Florida is really not doing the kind of testing they should be doing. CDC guidelines being changed by the president of the United States. I mean, what happens in that state? Would they take the precaution? Would they shut down? Probably not. Right. So you're you're left with the northeastern states, Michigan, maybe Wisconsin. uh, States that take the science seriously, and those states tend to be voting for Biden anyway. We'll see. Um, I think the American people are not idiots. And I know that there are a lot of people who are, but I don't think the number is 50% in any state, frankly. Um, I think that people know what this guy's about. They've seen enough and he's done. And the Republican National Convention, while it scared the hell out of a lot of Democrats who were hate-watching it, remember that less people watched it than watched Joe Biden. Significantly less people. And most people didn't watch either one of them. Which should say a lot about our politics right now. People don't pay attention until after Labor Day. Well... You know, next time I talk to you on this podcast, it will be after Labor Day and there will be nine, sorry, eight weekends. There are nine weekends from now between now and the election. There will be eight weekends between now and the election. Next time we speak, that's two months by my math. And it's getting here quick. And if you think things were wild last week, if you think things are going to be wild this week, 
every week the heat is going to be rising because we have a president who only knows how to play with fire, does not know how to calm people down, has abdicated his responsibility, and all he cares about is winning the election. He is inciting violence in our city, cities, period. And by the way, saying that cities are dead is another ridiculous thing that the Republicans said at this convention. I have been spending every Sunday in New York City since March. And I was in this Sunday. I go in for my WABC radio show. Some of you know that. Um, I was in this Sunday. And I got in a little early and I took a walk. And the city seemed pretty alive to me. It seemed very alive to me. In a way that it hadn't been. It's been slowly coming back every week that I go in there. And remember, I'm going in Sundays. And I used to be in Midtown. Now I'm on the east side, not quite in Midtown. So it's kind of neighborhoody. But the restaurants were packed, outdoor seating. Everybody's wearing masks on the streets. Waiters, waitresses wearing masks. Everybody seems to be observing it, but people were out. I didn't see a lot of retail going on. I didn't see that. But the city's not dead. And it never will be dead. People want to live in cities. That's how we have evolved as a species. We want to be around other people. We want to be where the action is. And it's very hard to be where the action is if you're spread out. So, yes, do I think that there'll be a downturn in the city for the foreseeable future? Probably. But I think within two years, three years, it'll be right back to where it was before this started. Especially New York. It's the greatest city in the world. It's got everything. And frankly, I love it and I want to see it come back. And I'm tired of having one of our major parties in this country. And I'm not going to call them great anymore because they are not great. Uh, I'm tired of one of our major parties being against the cities where the engine of our economy is. I think we should all be offended by that whether you live in a city or not. It's ridiculous. We don't have Democratic cities or Republican cities. We have American cities. I don't have red states or blue states when there's a problem. We have states, American states, where Americans live. The best thing Joe Biden said in his acceptance speech is that he will be a president for all Americans, whether they voted for him or not. Ask yourself this question. If you didn't vote for Donald Trump, do you feel he represents you? If you live in a state where he didn't win, you feel he he cares about that state. In fact, they didn't care about COVID-19 in the beginning because it was really only impacting blue states. Once it started impacting red states, they got a little bit more serious about it. But now they just want to cover it up. They want to they want to pretend it's over. That's their biggest problem in that convention. They are pretending something that is greatly impacting almost every American still to this day. They pretended for 4 days that it was over. Barely a word about what they would do to fight it. He wants to pretend there's going to be some miracle vaccine. He'll probably announce it a week or two before the election, whether it's done or not. It's horrible. Horrible. And things are going to get wild. I mean, I, I, I watched that convention and I just... I can't believe that we have a president of the United States who lies so much. I also can't believe that Mike Pence said, make America great again, again. I mean, how dumb. I mean, honestly, it's like 
Julia Louis-Dreyfus was the host of Night 4 of the DNC, and that was something that you would have expected her to say on Veep. Make America great again again. Well, you had four years to make America great again. Let me tell you, America was great when you took over. It's not so great right now. Time for America to be made great by getting rid of you, Pence and Trump. And I think the American people know that. I think they see right through it. How could you have a convention in the middle of a pandemic and then have people sitting side by side pretending that it's over? How many people got COVID-19 at that convention? How many? I mean, you know, Herman Cain died a couple of weeks ago at the Tulsa Trump rally. He didn't die at the rally, but he died from COVID-19, which he probably got at that rally. There was not one mention of Herman Cain at the Republican National Convention. A a one-time contender for the presidency of the RNC, led in the polls for a period of time, got delegates, was a pretty well-liked guy. I met him once, and he was affable as hell. So I bet you a lot of people in the RNC knew him and liked him. They didn't mention him. He died a couple of weeks ago after attending a Trump rally without a mask. How many people are going to die so that guy could have a crowd at the White House? I don't know. I hope no one. That's my hope. All right. I think we've had enough of this for one week. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you're telling your friends about it. I hope you're tweeting at me at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, following me there. And and please uh, repost this podcast. We want to get as many listeners as we can. I had great listenership the last couple of weeks. And I didn't have a full podcast last week, had a rerun two weeks ago, and the numbers were still very, very solid. So let's make this week one of the best weeks ever. Tell a friend about the Aggressive Progressive Podcast and at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram. And once again, I want to remind you as always to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.